Welcome to One Long Conversation. I'm Sonia. And I'm Colby. This is a podcast about spiritual awakening. Yeah, and through that we talk about art, culture, conscious parenting, and healing yourself so you can express and freely share your unique perspective with this world. This is a fun and informative conversation that we have daily, and we're sharing it with you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. We should probably share who we are a little bit. I least. figured. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, welcome to the podcast that we have yet to determine a name for. Uh, <laughs> it'll come. It'll come with time. Um, it'll just come through. My name is Sonia. My name is Colby. I'm. Our uh, last name is Wilder. Our last name is Wilder. <laughs> We're a, a mom-son dynamic duo. We're mom-son, uh-huh. mom-child. Although you're exactly. not a child anymore. <laughs> no, that's why I said son. <laughs> but there is something you would always say to me about how you always look at your children. I mean, I can't even honestly imagine just having siblings and looking at like them grow up and being like, oh my God, you know, now Kyan's like, you know, 18 and Mars is 21. Whatever year it is, is Mars' age because Mars was born in 2000. Crazy. And so it's like, I can't even imagine what it must be like to uh, be a parent and then look back at your child as, because you probably still, I mean, you remember me when I was just a wee wee bairn. Because I have the mercurial mind that I have, Mm -hmm. I am so, and because I'm, I vibrate at the, at the... At the level of light that I vibrate in the body, I mean, I remember my birth. So mm-hmm. because I, because my memory is so clear, it does it have flaws? Of course, it has flaws. But because my memory is so clear, I can remember first of all all three of your births in minute detail, down to the analysis of. Here's exactly what I was feeling. Here's what you were telling me telepathically. Here's how I moved step by step from literally the anticipation of the Braxton Hicks contractions, which are known as false labor, all the way until the big ones kicked in and then ego starts to bargain and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. just give me a breather. And of course, you were my first. So I was like, wait a minute, just just give me a minute, Mm -hmm. just give me a minute. And Dr. Liz, our naturopathic midwife, kept going. You realize that the longer you put this off, the longer you're in this. And then I'm like, I just, I have to get my physical bearings. And like, I remember like every single little, okay. I remember what the midwives were saying in the background. I remember the exact juice I was drinking when I was laboring with you. It came from Trader Joe's. I remember, (laughs) yes, I remember with Mars who is then Marissa, I remember like all of the moves. I remember that I was so hot and I was wearing your father's t-shirt because mm-hmm. it was the only clothing that would fit me. I went over to the refrigerator, crawled over to the fridge. This is in the middle of the night because Mars mm-hmm. was born in the middle of the night. And literally opened up the fridge and leaned my right elbow in and put my head in. I was like, oh, okay, I can do the rest of this right here. And Dr. Liz <laughs> says, she goes, um... Sonia, I don't think you want to do that right there. I don't think you want that fridge open that long. And I looked at her and I, and I was, you know, I was in the zone and I said, why? Uh-huh. This is good for me. <laughs> I mean, I like I remember all those little details. I remember like you guys were in bed and I'm laboring with Kyan and I'm like, you need to speed this up. You're my last kid. You should come out faster. And I hear a little boy voice above me go. And he was above me. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the belly. He was not in the body. He was above me. And he said, I'll come when I'm ready. I'm having my process. And I said, look, kid, your process is interfering with my process. <laughs> Get out. I remember like every little detail. So like I remember 
all the details of nursing you, nursing Mars, nursing Cayenne. I remember every single imprint. I remember watching all of your development. It feels like yesterday to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel any different. So when I look at you as a 25-year-old sitting in front of me, your entire life literally is sitting like in a hologram mm-hmm. right here, like a character that I mm-hmm. got to watch develop. And it's very exciting. It's very cool. I mean, for those of us that are conscious parents, which unfortunately I feel like there's not enough of us on the planet right now, for those of us that are conscious parents, and we not only consciously came into the body knowing I'm going to be a parent. I never said I want to be a parent. I never, ever said that. I said, I'm going to be a parent. Right. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mommy. And... I knew from like preschool, like I was still in training pants that young, that I had made an agreement before I came into this body that I was going to have six children. And I did have six potential children and three of you lived. That was a part of the journey as well. So like to, to, to see you and then what's really fun, here's a super cool multidimensional component to it mm-hmm. is that. Then I get to see how I play out in all three of you, how your father plays out in all three of you, how his sister, because I knew her, how even a smattering of his father, even though I didn't know him very well, at least I saw him twice. I kind of see that. I see my sister particularly play out, you guys, and my brother and Nana and Papa and somewhat of their siblings. Like I can see all those components. And then I'm like, ooh, and then I'm like, then I can, I have the ability as a quantum healer to be able to tune into like seeing some of your past lives kick in. Yeah. And like I get little psychic flashes. I get to remote view and see all these other little components of, ooh, and this goes back. Oh, like my mind will tune into um like a, a chapter of your Akashic record where I can see where your life as Anya in the life before this one is the woman. I can sometimes yeah. see that one play out. And my, my, my consciousness can go to that. I, I've been thinking a lot about sort of the concept uh, of past lives. And I, I really, Something occurred to me that had not really occurred to me before, I think because my brain was operating in a fairly uh, linear fashion, which I think our brains are kind of designed to do uh, in this life because we live in a linear sort of time dimension. You know, we proceed forward. uh, We have knowledge of backward, but there's very little. We can't really go back. It's just there's like a memory, right? So that is kind of like our framework for understanding pretty much how like time and space work together but i was thinking i was like really there is no such thing as past lives there's only simultaneous lives and there's infinite simultaneous lives everything's happening now and the soul is experiencing everything now yeah but the consciousness is split it's Mm -hmm. fractal yeah which that fascinates me and you i don't well I feel like I do know a little bit about how you perceive this because we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. That used to like burn out my left brain hemisphere. Mm. My analytical mm-hmm. brain was just like, oh, uh-huh. I remember like I literally be like, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. that's like real. That almost like itches and burns. That's almost <laughs> like a pimple that came up. And I'm like, I can't quite get that. Yeah. And I want to get that. I want to get that out. Yeah. And I couldn't get that out. And now, because of all, well, number one, my chronological age. Yeah. Number two, all of the work on my ego that I've done. Oh, yeah. Number three, as a quantum healer, mm-hmm. all of the work that I've done in through also facilitating the sessions that I've done for people through my daily yoga practice, through teaching all the yoga classes and literally channeling my higher self. And as I channel, as you know this, as we channel, we get, yeah. we are learning as we're channeling our higher selves and tapping into the Akash. And through all of that, that's when I'm like, now when we say everything's happening right now and the soul is experiencing everything multidimensionally now, 
there's almost like this expansion that happens in my body. I can literally tangibly feel my field. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You would get that much earlier in your life, A, because you were born awake, mm-hmm. B, I raised you awake, and mm-hmm. C, that's just where the level of your soul is at. Mm-hmm. That's where the level of your consciousness is at. For sure. I, I, feel like, um, I feel like because I think so much in like really strong images, like a lot of these ideas that I get come from seeing visions of like just... My brain will translate all the words into just a, a one image that describes the whole thing. Like I remember when I was very young and I had this this vision of like being a small, like essentially being myself as a human. And then like there was like, I guess my consciousness zooming away from my body and it like zoomed out and I saw like the world and then I saw it as like a globe and then I zoomed out past the world and I saw like all these galaxies and stars and then I zoomed past the stars and like all that got really small and then I was like and after a while I I kept zooming out and things got bigger and bigger and bigger and I saw universes and I saw all that and then things got so big that they were small again and I was right back to a cell inside the body and it was like this it's this really weird, complex sort of vision to try and describe, but really what it translates to is it was an understanding, it was my first understanding of what infinity means, um, because that constant looping, there never being something bigger than, like, we have an understanding of big versus small, but really there is no, like, big or small, it's just kind of like a constant loop, and, um, yeah, it's it's very hard to describe these types of things. That's why, like. That's why I feel like taking psychedelics is such an interesting experience and such a that was really a big moment for me where I was finally able to get some level of confirmation to the things that I couldn't really put into words, to be honest. I remember you telling me when you were little about when you had a fever. Mm hmm. And what you just described was also your experience when oh, you yeah. had a fever when yes. you were like two or I, three. I had every time I would get a fever, I would have these feelings where I and it was it was like it was like that, but actually a little bit different. Um, the fever thing was like the start of that, but it was like that was more like being in my body and all of a sudden space distorted really heavily. Every time I would get sick, I would I remember I would be like lying on my bed. And I would look at like the door and my room was always like pretty empty. I mean, like I had stuff in it, but I wasn't like it wasn't like a packed room. So there's a lot of space in it. I would like look at the doorway from my bed of whatever, wherever I was. I'm thinking Carla Court right now. And I it would seem like miles away and I would be like. What? And there's like this weird feeling that I thought was really gross at first that accompanied that, like this feeling of like of of my my awareness of space just being completely distorted, like completely out of whack, like no idea, like everything seemed huge to me. I seemed really tiny, just like a small little speck in this giant house with these giant doors. Like, I remember that feeling very well. And that, that happened every time I got sick. That was very weird to me. Yeah, that was very interesting. And, and then I remember, like, you would describe those things to me when you were little. Mm-hmm. But then as you got to be a teenager, you kind of seemed to have a higher consciousness comprehension of what that was when you were little. Because, of course, when you were little... And all children do this. The ego just extorts, blows mm-hmm. up the perception. But then you, and, and going back to the psychedelic, when you were just sharing that, when you told me, like you first sent me the text when mm-hmm. you first dropped acid. Mm-hmm. You sent me the text at 11, 11 p.m. Yeah. Oh, did I really? <laughs> I, still, I still have the text. At I 11, kept it. 11? It's oh, a file. <laughs> I have it as a file in my notes, literally with the time noted and the date. Yeah. Because I used that text as a teaching point for conscious parenting. Yeah. And saying to people, your kids are going to explore different aspects of what we would consider to be pro 
probably not the safest things to do or things you did when you were a kid or you were a teenager that you're like, I don't really want my kid to do that. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, your kid's going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I never told you guys not to do those things. I told you guys when you do them, be adult enough, be old enough that you are conscious enough to make a decision as to, is this going to be beneficial for me? Mm -hmm. Is this going to help me? All of it. The first time you have sex, the first time you blah, blah, blah. The first, first time you take a drink, if you're ever going to smoke a cigarette, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. You know, I was, it was always all those things. Look, you're going to do these things because this is a part of the earth human 3D experience. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a part of what it is to be human in third dimensional earth right now. But when, then when you, because then you, then we talked on the phone because you already lived in Eugene at the time and I was still living in Portland. And then we talked on the phone for like two plus hours, mm-hmm. just a couple of days after, because you couldn't hold on to it. You really <laughs> needed to share it with yeah. me in process. And I had a very intense dream experience that night. And I realized right away, I realized immediately that that was a ripple effect from your taking LSD. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, because we are super, super connected. Mm -hmm. So then we had a phone conversation about Number one, how connected we are, Mm -hmm. that we have that effect. And it's not just because I'm your mom and we literally have an energetic umbilicus, Mm -hmm. umbilical connection, but it's also because we're soul family Mm -hmm. and we have that kind of connection. But then you ended up elaborating just like you did a little while ago on, you said, you know, and when I was really little and I had the awareness of being perception of consciousness when I'm having a fever, when I was in the trip, I actually got more insight about that. Yeah. And understood literally, I am the consciousness. Yeah. I am my own creator and could see how that affected my perception on all levels being the ego of a child in a small body, being frustrated that I was in a small body, kind of remembering other lives, blah, 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 and the expansion and the contraction of that. Yeah. And when, when I had my year in 2021, you were the catalyst for that of my doing psychedelics the last one, the fifth one of drinking psilocybin tea. Mm -hmm. And then you were with me on the phone because it was way too Mm -hmm. much. And I needed some guidance and calling you. And then like finally kind of coming into my center because my ego had to express all of this ruminating programming that was going on. So I saw the horror films, the I saw all of the commercialisms from my childhood in the yeah. late 60s all the way until the early 80s. All the garbage. I mean, I literally saw like crappy kitty cereal uh, commercials and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my God, it was like a bad fun house. And I had to clear all that at first. Then... Once I talked to you on the phone after that, then it was like, I'm in the microcosm and the macrocosm. Oh, yeah. And then there was that, and it was the same thing, and it was a similar experience for me when I had a fever as a kid, or when I was having an alternate reality experience based on Nana trying to help me with migraines, my quote fingers are mm-hmm. up, migraines, which were really upgrades. And then they'd sure. give me pharmaceuticals for that. Right. And that was totally way too much for my consciousness. So that would send me off in some Twilight Zone, freaky alternate dimensional perception. And I couldn't find my center. It was like knocking me off of my center. But the psilocybin, after we cleared all of that, it was like, here I am in the center, I'm super centered, and I know that when I'm speaking, it's my ego that's really speaking. <laughs> and I was telling you that. Uh-huh. And I'm like, there's pain. And then you would ask, there was signs, and you'd say, and what's the purpose for the pain? And I'd say, hang on, let me ask. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, my eyes were closed, 
And I would be in there and I could see myself as this vortex dimensional plane of energy. I could see my center is almost like the eye of the storm. And I could see all of these waves of color and energy and dimension folding in and folding out, going in and going out. And that, and I was like, oh, that this is kind of what we're seeing when we're feverish as a kid. Yeah. It's like almost this, it's this self-realization, but we're perceiving through the mind, through the perception of a child. Right. Which is really more the ego kind of when we're children. This is why, astrologically speaking, children display more of their moon sign Mm -hmm. and the moon is the subconscious self. Sure. It's the hidden part. And this is why children need guidance from a conscious being, whether it's someone who's in the physical form or whether it's their higher self and their guides. Yeah. I almost feel as though the the thing that makes children display a lot more of those, I guess, ego characteristics. And I'll just, I really only can use my own experience for this, but I just remember when I was a kid, I didn't really have very good control over my Aries. So I was very explosive. I was a very explosive child. I can remember actually several instances where I just would like, it was like a well of emotions would bubble up from like my stomach and I would just like lash out. It was just like a fire exploding. That has happened a lot when you I was had, a child. You had a lot of temper tantrums. I had you temper were tantrums very frustrated. A very, You yeah. cried every day for the first 10 years yeah. of your life and you were mad at yourself. You were mad that you came in as had to be an infant again. Yeah. You were an angry newborn. Yeah. You were a frustrated child. You were frustrated with the new body. You were frustrated that you couldn't communicate at a much higher consciousness level. Yeah. It was like you were mad at yourself that you had to start all over again and you would explode Mm -hmm. for certain periods of the day. And I gave you space to do so. Yeah. And you literally had what I called the grieving time between 2 and 4 p.m. Oh, every afternoon. It was that specific. It was. It was oh, that wow. specific. <laughs> that was for the first, I would say, and I wrote it down in your life book. I would say that was probably the first two years of your life that between 2 and 4 you had to grieve. And uh-huh. so that became your quiet time. That's oh. where quiet time came <laughs> oh, from. that's funny. Which rolled over that. to your then sister, who's now your brother, uh-huh. and then your little, little brother. Everybody had quiet time. Yeah. Because you needed to process. Yeah. You needed to process very painful, tragic deaths from other lifetimes, which mm. you then would tell me about when you came out of your nap time, your quiet time in the afternoon. And you would have nap mares and you needed to cry. (laughs) You needed to grieve. And so we had a box of, you know, healthy organic cotton tissue for you. And because we were that kind of family and we gave you space to grieve. Yeah. Because you and you had a lot of belly issues. Yeah. And so we used homeopathy. We were into naturopathic and homeopathic and we gave I would give you remedies mm-hmm. for that to help you balance out. Yeah. All of that. And Dr. Liz, it's interesting the 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 character that Dr. Liz played in our lives too. She was, she's a Cancer Leo actually. Yeah. She played that role for us very well. Absolutely. Of, you know, oh, let you know all of that. She's yeah. really good. She, no, she's very nurturing. I and now that I know that uh a lot of well that Cancer rules the stomach. It's very telling for me. I mean, I I really think that a lot of what uh a lot of what Im, is embodied in children's behavior is sort of a, a just a lack of control. I think it is more of a subconscious acting, but I do feel as though the ego is more of a development that occurs as we try to be more conscious. Because I, I would say that our egos are much more developed as adults than they are as children. Like the ego is very raw as a child, and it doesn't really have a lot of control over like what the behavior is. And then as you grow older, you kind of learn to like as you learn to like fit in more with a societal system. Then the ego takes over a little bit more and is like, oh, well, so this is how we behave here. This is how we behave there. 
But if we didn't have that at all, then we would be pretty much egoless beings. We would be like other animals that don't really have much of a a frontal lobe development. You know, they don't have a lot of control over like those types of behaviors. They just act instinctively. Well, this is why, you know, speaking astrologically, we come in and we display our moon sign right away, the subconscious self. And it is exactly what you talked about with we don't have a lot of control, which Mm -hmm. is why we need we need an, an energetic playpen. Yeah. Then at about the age, between the ages, I would say, I mean, astrologically, they say when you get to be a teenager, I witnessed it in the three of you starting about the age of 13, Mm -hmm. you grow into your sun sign, your Mm -hmm. present ego self where there is this more of a confident, you came into Aquarius Mm -hmm. starting then, you started to become a little bit more social, you started to to accept your diversity, your uniqueness, especially for you being born under the Aquarius stellium. And then we have to start to mature once we, and and it's said in astrology, in tropical astrology, I don't know what Vedic says, Mm -hmm. that once we hit around 40, We start to move into our rising sign, our ascendant, which represents the higher self. Yeah. The higher aspects. Now, I've definitely observed this in myself. I would say being born in the tropical system under a moon in Capricorn, it was very Capricorn for the first 10 years of my life, even though the, the sun in Gemini really played out early sure. on. I mean, I had a lot of fun. I mean, I was, but, but again, I was born under a Gemini stellium. So it's but so dominant. Also, doesn't your Capricorn represent itself through the fifth house? It does. So it was playful, That's very creativity, playful. very yeah. playful and creative. But I was also, I I was so good with kids right off. And there's mm-hmm. that fifth house thing. I knew how to give kids structure. Yeah. I knew how to take my time with them. I had patience with children that I would say that the Gemini wouldn't normally have. But because mm. of the moon and Capricorn in the fifth house, I do. And I noticed that I became like really insatiably social starting like right before high school Mm -hmm. and I just and and I talked a lot all the time I mean I talk a lot but I was quieter and being the youngest of three kids and having a very dominant brother Mm -hmm. having a complete polar opposite from him sister who was also polar opposite for me being my Gemini Virgo rising twin as well and she had massive insecurities and she didn't have any fire in her chart. Mm-hmm. Zero fire. None. <laughs> Air, earth, water. water. The water trine. The water trine. <laughs> and she was hypersensitive yeah. and incredibly passive. And there was like no space for her mm-hmm. to just like, because Michael was so dominant. And then I was so dominant. And then Papa was so dominant. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, being the youngest of three, I had the advantage of being able to just observe all of them. And it did honor the moon in Capricorn for me. It I was very much like, all right, I'm going to see how everybody's behaving. And I've told you this many times. Yeah, I literally was conscious enough that I'm like, I'm going to observe this family this round. I yeah. came in at the end. I knew I was the last child. And I'm like, I came in at the end and now I'm going to take some time I'm going to watch these people. And like, I remembered my sister being my mom because the last time we had a life, she was my mom. So I would call her mommy and then she'd go, Sonia. And then I and then, and I go, oh, that's right. You're my sister. I keep forgetting. And then she'd go, you're so weird. <laughs> and my brother, I was attracted to because the last time we had a life together, we were married. Uh-huh. And he remembered that too. Uh-huh. My mom was my mom. Mm-hmm. She was most, she's been mostly my mom. And my father, I knew that I loved him. I knew that he was amazing. I knew we had a lot of wonderful lives, but I also knew we had conflict right off. So I'm like observing all of them and kind of like taking my time one step at a time to see where I fit in with this family in this life. Very moon and Capricorn. Yeah. Then coming into the sun in Gemini and really like becoming more confident and being more physical in my body. And then as you and I talked about the other day, we can see now how my rising sign, now that I'm technically middle-aged chronologically, we can see how the Virgo ascendant is really coming into play. I'm interested in gardening. I'm super hyper detailed way more than I used to be. Yeah. I, and I know that micromanaging people, 
people is annoying. So I literally have to have physical objects to micromanage, like little detailed placements. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not OCD about it. I never have been. My sister was. She was OCD about all of that. If things aren't in their place, I'm good. It's okay. And I, and I actually, this is where the Gemini plays out. I like to change things mm, and rearrange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like the Virgo has really taken over. Yeah. Whereas I'm seeing you now, it's like you you accept, you're at a space where I was at when I was 25. I had to accept my moon sign. Yeah. <laughs> you've now had, you've learning to accept your moon sign. Totally. It's also your moon sign's incompatible with the rest of your chart. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally is the, it is the conflict point in the yaw that is made up between my Aquarius and my uh, Pluto and Sag. Yeah. And then the solvent to that yaw is the Capricorn placements that I have. It's the way out. It's the Neptune and Capricorn because through structure and spirituality through a structured practice and an appreciation of structure through spiritual through spirituality uh it gives it calms the cancer down yeah essentially it does and then i watched you really come into your aquarian nature Mm -hmm. and then i watched when you were a teenager I really started to see, because I, you know, once we had like school conferences, parent-teacher conferences in school, I'd see the Mars and Libra come in with the negotiation and the justice and the, oh, I have to create balance. And I watched your Mars and Libra working with your Jupiter in Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, isn't this very interesting? I would observe you talking with your teacher. I noticed that particularly (laughs) when you were in the 6-8 at the Odyssey program and we would have a conference with Alan Damon. Mm -hmm. Born October 23rd, the same day as Nana. Oh, interesting. Very much. He's a zero degrees son in Scorpio. Yeah. And... And I noted that because I asked him, I asked all your teachers when their birthdays were, I'm like an astrologer and they would all, they'd tell me and I'm, and then I start analyzing everybody. Yeah. And I noticed like how you would play out with that. I also noticed literally how your moon in cancer would kind of interact with his son in Scorpio. I would literally watch that inner play. Yeah. And I would, but then I watched the Aquarian and you really start to come out. And now, as you're getting older, I'm even though you're super chronologically young, I'm actually am seeing the Aries rising, yeah, <laughs> coming forward. And and as I've observed, and we've talked about this in your early twenties, how the Aries and the Cancer really kind of duke it out. Yeah, it's always been that way ever since. I, that's where my stomach problems used to come from was the Aries and the Cancer fighting. It's yeah, that's it literally it. I was actually I've always been very Aries. Um when I was younger, I would especially embody Saturn and Aries. I didn't know how to control it. I would be too explosive. I would get into fights because my emotions would get out of control. I would or I would be too passive and I wouldn't want to speak out. And that's the Saturn and Aries dichotomy. You either hold yourself back too much or you're too out there. And the, learning the balance is the whole process behind it. Because I have Aries rising and both of those Aries placements sit in my first house, it's just that much stronger. Uh, it's, it's literally about, for me, coming into a space of finding the qualities in the Aries that I want to use that are the most beneficial. Because I have so much opposition with the Cardinal Cross going on that I have to pick only the best qualities from this stuff to use. Well, so. you know, it's like we were talking about yesterday in the car. If you did not choose the moon and cancer in the fourth house. Mm-hmm. That That's the only real grounding energy that you actually have. Yeah. And because you chose that, you, as, as we talked about yesterday, you would have been so crazy masculine polarity dominant yeah. that it would be very hard to actually talk with you or be around you. And the moon and cancer in the fourth house gives you all the empathy, the compassion, the understanding and the sensitivity because you're a very powerful empath. Mm-hmm. And it also helps with the psychic abilities as well. But then when you... but. You know, what we didn't talk about yesterday, and I was actually thinking about this last night, I'm like, but think about like all, like what an entrepreneur 
that you would have been in the sense of being if you were really just all the Aquarius and the Aries. Oh, totally. And like you would be a corporate mogul oh, totally. now. Oh, totally. You would have been yeah. like the Phil Knight of, you know, just do it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, no, no. 100%. And that's why I said in the car the other day that I think I would have been a super villain because honestly, I even now I have these internal like feelings where I'm like, oh, yeah, I like I have the I have the the confidence in myself to be able to do pretty much anything in life to the point of where I've thought about like what life would be for me if I decided to go down the path of becoming like, you know, like a capitalist ruler or like any of these things, it would just require me to literally forego. And honestly, the having the cancer is a good thing, I guess. And having the Libra is a good thing. And the cancer and the Libra tend to work together pretty well uh, because those are the things that keep me more respectful of other people's boundaries. Um, I would definitely be a, a corporate dominator if I didn't have those things. <laughs> you would be. You yeah. would have been and it wouldn't and it wouldn't have served your consciousness path yeah. that you wanted to have because we are as universe, source, isness, oneness, we are on in an acceleration of the ascension path. Ascension Absolutely. is always happening. Because there's always expansion happening because you can't just stay in contraction. You have to expand in order to learn about itself, us, us as self. But you wanted to come into a higher spiritual awareness. We did not come into this current life in order to live a 3D life. Mm -hmm. We've Absolutely. already done that. Yeah. You've had way more lives on this planet than I have. You've had over a thousand lives on this planet. Mm. I've had 441. And I've had a lot of lives on this planet, but you've had way more. We've already played the game of 3D. And of course, when we, I mean, we've had Atlantis lives. Mm -hmm. We've had, and that wasn't 3D. But we did not come into this life for the purpose of being as third dimensional and Let's come in and experience capitalism. <laughs> we didn't come here for that. Uh -huh. You chose the chart that you chose in order to catapult your consciousness to raise your vibration, which is, I mean, when you look at somebody who's born under five planets in Aquarius and they're all freaking in the Aquarius house, the 11th house, you're like, this is somebody who's here to make major changes in consciousness with themselves and with humanity. Mm -hmm. And again, as we've talked about so many times since you were little, the Aries is the push. It is. Yeah. For that. And the cancer is what you need in order to have compassion for the ego. Yeah. And to help the victim consciousness on this planet. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no other way. The, I mean, your chart is perfectly designed by you, your guides, your higher self in order to jump in the ascension process. Yeah. And it's another reason why being a, a, a corporate mogul is not interesting at all. No. It's it, very it's, limiting. It is limiting. And the, the thing that I always am like, for a while it felt like I was battling was like, okay, well I have these massive like desires to sort of like dominate the world to some extent. But at the same time, I really don't feel good about making people unhappy in that process. And so for me, it's like, okay, well I have to figure out a way to like achieve the goals that I want, but do it in a way that like serves people as well, because I'm very interested in like, people achieving a better quality of life and being happier and better with themselves. And I think that that interest is uh, somewhat in conflict with my own desires to, to, to um, be the, it, it almost feels like it's in conflict with my desires to be the best version of myself. But then I also kind of realize that it's actually not. And that being the best version of myself is like helping other people. So I don't know. Well, totally. And it's yeah. also it's also that, I mean, there's the North Node in Virgo. 
Yeah, and, and now what I have learned from that chart is a North Node in Libra, which actually makes even more sense and focuses my chart. Oh, even because we did more. the whole we did that through yeah. the whole house last night. That's yeah. right, and it moved because it was it was twenty nine degrees Virgo in the quadrant system. It's twenty nine mm-hmm. degrees Virgo, but in the whole house, Libra. It's zero degrees Libra, and that is just literally a. It is the entire relationship between the Aries, Aquarius, and the Libra opposition with the Aries. The Libra is all the North Node in Libra is entirely about coming into life to learn how to partner with others and it's in the seventh house which indicates a fear of that which i've always had a fear of relationship a fear of partnership all of that and the aries wants to serve the self and the south node in aries indicates that in a past life i did exist purely serving myself and in this life it's time to overcome a little bit more of that and learn how to be more giving to work with others yeah, what I was going to share about that too is remember when when you have placements on the cusp, mm-hmm. you're going to have characteristics. You're going to have rollover yeah, from totally. the previous sign. Like for you, I mean, that makes sense to me. They both make sense. They do both make sense because they also match. They align with your father. Mm-hmm. They align with me. Mm-hmm. They align with Nana and Papa, who are who did contribute in raising you as well. Mm-hmm. They align with Mars. They align with Kyan. They mm-hmm. align with their placements as well, and they align with a lot of what I see some of your lessons. But then when we look at North Node zero degrees in Libra. That also aligns because my north node is is in Aries and my south node is in Libra and we have an mm-hmm. opposition. For me, the the classic marriage that I had and that my parents show me, that's a that's an old program. That's like that's and and what I see from it, what it's shown to me in my life, South Node and Libra in the first house yeah. is in the quadrant system codependency mm-hmm. and that's what played out and then the north node in the quadrant system in aries in the seventh house is honor yourself above all especially in the partnership uh, honor your heart honor your higher self yeah in the whole house it's in the eighth house and that totally plays out for me as well north node in aries for you, I see how they both play out with the 29 degree North Node in Virgo. And I see how it plays out with the zero degrees North Node in Libra. I see how they both play out. Just like I was born under a Mercury in Cancer, zero degrees. Right. Retrograde emphasis. And in the quadrant system, it's in the 10th house, the house of career. And I speak for my career, I teach. In the whole house system, it's in the 11th house, the house of speaking through in, in empathy and understanding and sensitivity and nurturing to the collective. Yeah. But because it's zero degrees, there's still going to be some spillover of that Mercury in Gemini. Yeah. And you can, you can hear it in my voice at tell. times. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. So when people will ask me when they when they're not quite sure about astrology, I mean, I've had I've had encounters with actual really practiced astrologers who and it's, this hasn't been that many, but yeah. they're but they have gotten all almost all my placements right off. Yeah, that's cool. They talk with me. And I'm like, oh, you're good. <laughs> like, like you have a lot of experience with this. But others will always guess me as Mercury and Gemini, mm-hmm. and I'll say. I can hear that because my mercury is zero degrees in cancer. So I can get how you would, how you would hear that it's possibly in Gemini. Yeah. Cause that will play out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? There are a couple major differences. The mercury and Gemini that I have been around tends to be less uh, direct, less confrontational. I've noticed that when I've seen Mercury and Gemini play out in other people, regardless of whether they're a Cancer Sun or a Gemini Sun, which is usually where I see Mercury and Gemini in my life is either a Cancer Sun or a Gemini Sun. It seems as though the Cancer Sun, Mercury, and Gemini, the Gemini is really softening the Cancer's overall approach 
So when it comes out, it is a mile a minute. It's talking a lot, but it wants to talk about mostly non-heavy things, mostly fun things, mostly things that are a little bit more light, and it can go on and on and on, or ideas that are interesting, right? But for you, I noticed that you have a um, uh, sort of authority that comes out in your voice that I can see all the fun and everything behind it, but the cancer is not afraid to speak out at people, and it's not afraid to speak about its own personal issues that it's dealing with, and that is a big difference. It de- and also remember, it depends on how it's aspected, mm-hmm. what how it relates to the other. Like you, I have a yod, mm-hmm. and I have the cardinal T-square, mm-hmm. just like you have. So my Mercury and my Moon are directly opposite. They play out for each other. When I was chronologically younger, they used to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I used to, I had the same issue that you talk about where I would be very explosive in mm. all that Aries, Saturn, North Node, and Chiron in yeah. Aries would just be like, blah. Yeah. And I mean, when we talk about the Cardinal, the T square, I don't really. Tune into the South Node in Libra. I don't really see how it plays out in my life much. It's just, it's kind of like a cameo character in my movie that is just like, oh, that's right. I forgot about you, Libra. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You just go ahead and you just anchor that, that cardinal square down there, that uh-huh. T square. You're not really affecting me because it's trying to my Gemini stellium. Sure. And it, they, we just have a lot of fun with that little set, you know, sure. south node in Libra. It's it's you know it's kind of like oh that's right you wanted that little moment of balance oh we'll give you a little moment at the mic uh-huh. to have your little moment of balance and justice justice for the justice. under justice yep yep for the <laughs> for the underprivileged and oh you know it'll it'll play out I'll see the south node in Libra play out every once in a while when I see homeless people and I'm like uh-huh. oh I want to do something to help them and then that kind of spurs on my Virgo and my Virgo's like we got to do something to change this. And then I just start recycling more. I do Uh what I can do. The Virgo does Uh goes, I'm going to go and I'm going to start picking up garbage around my area. Uh That kind of thing. That's how the South node in Libra will play out. And when you have a level of awareness of astrology on a very practical day to day level, speaking of Virgo, and now that we're in Virgo season, you understand that astrology is not a conceptual spiritual idea. It's not an idea. Mm. Astrology is a practice. Mm. It's a psychological science. It's a spiritual science. And so you can, if you have enough awareness of your chart, your placements, these are aspects of yourself that are representative. They are the fractals. They are the parts of you that express for the wholeness. Yeah. And if everybody would literally come, and a lot of astrologers do, of course, but if astrologers, if people who are interested in astrology would understand that this is really what astrology was designed for, Uh to help you understand yourself, all of these little parts. And of course, astrologers, astrologers know this. Yes. I find that a lot of them do. I mean, I know that a lot of people do think of astrology uh, in more of like a fatalistic sense of like predictions and things like that. I mean, obviously, that's just not how the universe works. But I do know that a lot of people think about astrology in that way, because it, a lot of mystic practices were kind of conceptualized as like, you know, fortune telling and that sort of thing. But you could live without astrology and it would be fine. You could go through life without even knowing a single thing about astrology and you can make just as many changes and learn yourself just as well. I think that to certain people, astrology just makes a lot of sense. To me, it makes a lot of sense. And even if it's a somewhat like malleable framework, I find that to me, looking in the astrological systems and like picking out things allows me to identify like points in myself that I want to improve or grow or change things in my in my personality that I can like move around it's like it's like having a little like switchboard that I can like turn on like different things of my personality just because I'm aware of them through the framework of astrology so astrology came into this current life as you know my brother brought it to me when I lived in New York when I was 19 mm-hmm. and it was a language that we both knew mm-hmm. he'd been to the New York library Uh, You know, I'm sure his higher self was like, here's this is going to help you. Yeah. And brought it back into our lives. 
And we were on the journey then. And I mean, that was what, 1987? Yeah. Is when astrology came into my life. Now, I was very aware of star signs, you know, sun signs, your star sign, what's your zodiac sign? I was very aware of that from a very young age because Nana used to read it in the paper all the time when I was a kid. And, but she read Libra. She thought mm. she was a Libra. And she, I mean, she's a Libra Scorpio being born on the cusp. But sure. I, I have gone through a couple of big chunks in my adult life since you were born mm-hmm. where I said, I'm going to step out of this now mm-hmm. because it's so overstimulates the mercurial aspect in me. I felt like what it was doing was it was actually pulling me too much into the mental body mm-hmm. and it wasn't helping me to really feel like I'm whole. Yeah. Because I now realize I wasn't utilizing astrology in the way that it could help me to learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. I was using it uh, in a, a, a from more of like the spiritual ego. Right. And I had to step out in order to reassess, reevaluate. And then when I came back into it, and of course I had catalysts for that. It was actually my brother who was the catalyst for that, mm. who said, I feel like we are almost using astrology as an, an escape and I'm starting to back away from it. And because he's my big brother and, and we have the soul connection that we do, that had a strong influence on me. And so I stepped away from it for probably about a year. Yeah. And I was like, this is interesting that this is my first time since I was 19 that I haven't like defaulted to astrology thinking, astrological analysis of people, all of that. And my life was fine. But when it came back in, it came back in in a different way. And then I was like, oh, look at this. It's like taking, a, it's like when you're a dancer mm-hmm. and you take, you take a break for a while. Mm. And then you come back into it and your mind, your ego's like, oh my God, what if I forgot how to dance? And I probably suck at double pirouettes now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm probably really bad at it. And then you go back into the dance studio and you're like better than you were before. And you're like, oh my God, muscle memory is amazing. Yeah. I like to ding, ding, ding. I told like, I just hit my first triple pirouette and oh my God, I haven't danced in a year. Yeah. It's the same thing. And so then... When we came back from South America, uh, because you had to have your wisdom teeth removed and all of that, and we came back from South America, I decided I was just going to step out of astrology. Higher self was saying to me, you need to take a different approach. You're still just ruminating in the concepts, but it's not really helping you. Yeah. And that's when Muji came into my world and Uh Advaita Vedanta Yoga, Mm -hmm. which is observational and breathwork yoga and meditation yoga. Yeah. That came into my world and I stepped away from astrology solidly for about three years. Yeah. But it kept coming back in. And so as it came back in, I realized, and it came back in through quantum healing, which was fascinating. Yeah. And when it came back in, it came back in with, with a wholeness, with a fullness That was always there. Yeah. I just wasn't utilizing it. Mm. So it's a language that I understand. It's like music. Mm -hmm. Music is a language. Yeah, absolutely. It's like light language. It's like being a light linguist and and I'm channeling light language. It's the same thing. And when now that I'm, I'm coming from a quantum perspective... I realized that astrology is no different than light language. Astrology is no different than yoga. Astrology is no different than music. Astro- it's, it's all the same. It's just different tools to play around with in order to see different aspects of yourself. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a, it's just a framework. I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very, it's very mercurial of you to, to think of it as a language. Because <laughs> I think of it, it as a, I think of it as um, same thing, but I, I just refer to it as a system. I think of everything in terms of systems, like puzzles, 
But it's the same thing. They're both identical. They are. Yeah. It's it's a wonderful tool, and it's one of the very first tools. Yeah. That was beautifully given to me. Yeah. From higher self guides, universes, this oneness, all of that, to help myself to see not only the different ways that I enjoy expressing myself through, mm-hmm. but it also helps me to connect. And it's, I really feel that it's designed this way. It's designed for us to have more fun connecting with each other Absolutely. and how to see oh, yeah. how we're all the same, but a different expression of the sameness. Is what it is. It because and there's more than twelve archetypes. Obviously, I mean, you oh, know, yeah. Ophicus was was revealed, <laughs> and then of course, modern day astrologers, many of them are like, I don't think we can handle the addition of Ophicus, so yeah. we're not, you know, we're not really going to acknowledge it. But Ophicus is a legitimate sign, and to really see, we are all aspects of all of these archetypes. Everybody has Virgo in their chart. Yeah. Everybody has Virgo. Everybody has the need to be very mental and very detailed and organized and irritated. There is a purpose in being in the human form of irritation. Yeah, absolutely. We want to feel irritated sometimes because we get bored if we're always, I mean, this is what I always tell my clients, you know, when they're going through their healing and they're like, I don't want to go through all this pain and blah, blah, blah. You used to tell me that when you were a little kid. I don't want, I don't want to feel this way. I don't like that. And you know what I have to say to my clients, I don't have to say this to you because you already know this, you're my kid. Mm -hmm. But I have to say to my clients, look, you're angelic, Mm -hmm. you're an angel and you're bored in the angelic realm. What? What do you mean I'm bored? It's you, you we get tired of being blissed all the time. There's not a whole lot of variety oh, going yeah. on there. Oh, totally. <laughs> like you oh descended. Oh. You descended because this is really freaking fun and look you get to experience irritation. You can't experience irritation when you're an angel. Yeah. No, this isn't any fun. I don't like this. And I'm like, "Well, that's your ego talking." <laughs> oh my god. But so many people come to me. Mm-hmm. I used to have this as well. I used to be super pissed off at my life and damn it, why is this happening to me? And blah, 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 and all yeah. of that. And then, you know, higher self would come in. Archangel Michael came in a lot, the collective, and would say, This is fun for you. And, you know, I'm giving the finger up at the sky and going, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you come down here and you try to go through all of this. And then I hear laughing and it's like, we were, we were there. We have experienced it. How do you think we can help you? Yeah, no, totally. I, um, I definitely think that all of these systems are created with the intention of sort of making little fun things for humans to uh, experience. I mean, we could subdivide the personality into as many parts as we wanted and find similarities in all of those different parts. You know, it's just, uh, it's just about what, what is it that's enjoyable? What is, uh, what is unique and what is, what is special for, for humans to experience? And yeah, when you, when you do, I mean, this is, we should probably wrap it up pretty soon for this episode, but yeah. just to you know, kind of put a cap on on that. We can talk about this more next episode too. Just after experiencing um, what it might be like to live in in complete, I guess, bliss. But bliss isn't even the right word. It's like an absence of. It's like a combination of all emotions at once. So you really don't feel anything aside from just like what is. It being living in isness was too much for my ego to handle for only probably less than 10 minutes that I experienced it. So I was like, I understood immediately why we choose to be human. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and this is a great way for us to wrap this up too, is when you talk about that, when I was in the psilocybin journey, and I shared this with you as I'm just, I'm lying on the floor with a throw over me on a pillow. 
And I'm just being in the ebb and the flow of energy and I'm seeing all the colors and energy is waving in and waving out. And I was super peaceful. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is like, this is just like so nice. Like I can just, and I was telling you that I could just be here for like a really long time. And of course there was no time. Yeah. Cause I was just like, I literally felt like all these hours had gone by and it was only like 40 minutes. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God, these, 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 like these journeys. Like when I went under in QHHT and beyond quantum healing BQH and I'm like, there's no time. There's only now. And then after being in that for a while and like you were just listening on the phone and you were kind of drifting in and out of sleep too because you'd just gotten off of work and you were on the phone with me. Then I remember saying to you after a while, like I totally get why we come here yeah. <laughs> and we're human because this is really peaceful. This is like a great reset. Mm-hmm. But I would get really bored being yeah. here all the time. I'm oh, like, yeah. this is this is it. You're just you're just you're just being, and you're in the isness, and it's like, but what do you do? Like exactly. we're creators. Like I like we want some action, and that's where exactly. you have to have conflict in order to have that. Oh yeah. Like to create, you have to have conflict. There needs to be opposition. If there's not a opposition to something then there is no push and pull through which you can gain anything. You can't gain insight in yourself. You can't push through boundaries. You can't overcome, you know, limitations if there is nothing to overcome. So it's like, yeah, that's, I I remember just being in, you know, DMT state and coming to the realization that literally all that it was, was just there is. And I was like, oh, because I, I was like, you know, in, in, in the time before that, I was still kind of thinking like, is there like another stage past this? Is there like another place to go, you know, <laughs> past life? Is there like another thing? And then you get there and you're like, wait. And, I, and my brain had that, wait, this is it? This, this is all it is? And I was sitting there and I felt like like time was just completely frozen. Like there was nothing happening around me whatsoever. Like it, to the point where I was looking at people and it looked like they were like stuck in like time, you know, just frozen. Like some somebody had like a cup up like this and they were just like stuck like that. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, like, do I have to be here forever? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it is like that. It's like a, the very first time, which was literally just a couple weeks after you did DMT. Yeah, and and then DMT was literally appeared in front of me. Yeah, and I did DMT with Em and Sarah. Yeah, and I literally as I went back into my body and down through that rabbit hole and then all of a sudden came up out through my third eye yeah and saw all of the amazing world through that and it was like and i told you i laughed so hard and like my voice wasn't my voice it was literally i could literally see the megaphone massive deep cobalt blue throat chakra yeah amplified out because my throat is so my throat chakra is so huge and so dominant and i laughed so hard and they both were laughing and they were both like the most beautiful psychedelic electric looking colorful beings and goddesses and they're laughing at me and they're like oh my gosh they said what and i said we create all of this. It's us. It's yeah. all coming from here. I'm like, there's, and I was like, there's no next step. There's no out there achievement. There's yeah. no reaching anything. It's all here and we're doing it. And I was like, there's no aliens holding us down. Yeah, like real. there's no baddie, darky, oh, I'm suppressing you and repressing you. It's us. Yeah. We're doing it to ourselves. <laughs> we're the creator of all of this. And then I'm like, and then I said to them, I can see why we like to play all these soap opera roles because I said, this is really cool to just be here in this center. But I like the action. And I was like, oh, I totally get why I do this human thing over uh-huh. and over again now. Yeah. Now I get it. And I yeah. was like, okay. And then I was laughing. I was like, I get it. And then all this channeling insight came to me. Suddenly I could see all their other lifetimes. And I'm like, it's all happening simultaneously. <gasps> I can see your Kashyyyk records. Oh, I can see all. You and I knew each other in Greece in 152. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Like it all came through. Yeah, the phrase "the whole world's a stage and we're all actors" is probably one of the most accurate like ways of putting it, in my opinion. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally, but we're the creator of it. There's totally. nothing and no one outside of us that is the problem. Oh, of course not. That's oh, yeah. ego diversion yeah, yeah. of I don't want. It's like you know when I ask your little brother. Um, how do you feel about that? And he says, I don't know. And I say, no, you don't want to know. Mm -hmm. I don't know as I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. Ego doesn't want to know because Mm -hmm. ego enjoys the drama of the stage. And we enjoy indulging ego in that drama or we wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's fun. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening for keeping up with us. This is the first episode of kind of a five-episode little run that we did just to kick this podcast series off. Um, We've done a lot of work behind the scenes as we've recorded these episodes to improve the quality and the content. So if you want to know more, if you want to keep up with us, follow us on Instagram at One Long Conversation. Uh, We'll also have a Patreon page that's linked in that Instagram account so that you can further support us if you choose and uh, help support yourself as well. More info on that in the Instagram. And uh, thank you guys very much. I I really appreciate anyone who's listened, anyone who's kept up. Um, Much love to all of you.